Hi, I'm Andalisi. And I'm Chef James Regato. And in episode 13 of Essential Cooking, we talk with Dink Dawson, who learned how to cook while serving time at the Lakeland Correctional Facility in Coldwater, Michigan. Their culinary program, run by Chef Jimmy Hill, taught Dink how to cook and prepare him to work in the restaurant industry after six and a half years in prison. He now owns a successful restaurant called the Green Mile Grill in Detroit. But let's start with Chef James Regato talking about that culinary program and the incredible man who runs it, Chef Jimmy Hill. Jimmy Hill runs a program, Lakeland Correctional Facility, out in Coldwater. And Jimmy Hill is one of my favorite people. I mean, forget about chefs. He's one of my favorite people in the world. I'm sure you share that, too. Man, that's my guy. And so Jimmy has this culinary program. And when I, when I first visited, it was like, what, really? There's a culinary program in Lakeland? You know, you're obviously like, for me, obviously, as an outsider, I'm rolling in there like, this is, this is, what, what am I doing here? You know, I'm going, I mean, they take, <laughs> they take everything off you, you know, no phone, no wall. And you go into this prison and you go in this kitchen and it's, you know, I mean, he's doing like, you know, classic French techniques, full butchery, sauce making from the ground up, multi-courses, intermezzos, baking, pastries, a beverage pairing. I mean, he's like Jimmy Hill is running one of the coolest culinary programs, and it's inside of a prison. Man, uh, when I went in the program, I'm like, whoa. Well, Dink, first of all, how did you get in the program? What was the process to actually get accepted into that program? Well, I was working actually in the child hall at the kitchen at the prison, and I seen Chef come in, and I'm looking like, who is this guy? Because, he, you know, he playing clothes. He walk in through the back. I'm like, who is this guy? He about to drop some food off or something. I thought he was a delivery guy. And they say, that's Chef Hill. He got the, uh, the food tech program. I say, food tech? What is what is that? Gary and Bear Johnson, they both was in my unit. I used to see them wear uh, kitchen whites all the time, but I never seen them in the kitchen when I was working there. I seen Bear when I was getting my checks, you know, 17 and a half cent, whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> so I seen Bear Johnson. I slid down on Bear one day. I'm like, Bear, what, uh, what is food tech? He said, that's his other job. And Chef Hill ran the program. I said, how'd I get in that? He said, you got to uh, put in a kite. I get a, uh, an interview with Chef. He said, why you want to be in my program? Because I enjoy cooking. He said, everybody say that. You just here for the food. I <laughs> say, man, I don't even know nothing. I didn't even know nothing about the food. So he tell me to come back in two days. Two days, that's when the staff eat. Man, they transformed this classroom into a full restaurant. I'm looking like, this ain't the same place I was just at two days ago. I was amazed and I've been intrigued ever since. So six of my seven years, I was in food tech. So what was the program like? What did you learn when you were in there? And what were the different aspects of food and restaurant? You know, being a restaurateur, did you learn when you were there? Oh, man, I learned that uh, you can go to a restaurant in the city and three or four months later, you can go in there to be shut down. So I didn't know about food costs and save this for that. Don't throw the onion pieces away. Save them, make stock. I didn't know nothing about that. You know, I come from a soul food family. So we we use stuff, but food tech taught me, man, the ins and outs of cooking. I didn't know nothing about the five Asian spices. I didn't know nothing about, I didn't know anything as far as culinary. I didn't until I got to that food tech program. So when it came time for you to leave. Reality. Did you feel confident when you we're ready to leave the program. I mean, six and a half years is a long time to learn to be in a program like that, which is amazing. Did you feel confident that when you got out of prison, you were going to be able to work and find a job in the restaurant industry? Oh, no doubt. Because Chef used to always say, either you're going to hate it or you're going to love it. He used to drive it in us that, okay, you say you want to do this, then I'm going to, it's a thing called whoop your ass, if I can say that on, <laughs> on radio. <laughs> he said, 
if we did something wrong, he held us accountable. So everything, that, even if we thought we was doing something good, I remember one time I made a dish, it was so cold. At least I thought it was, but he beat it up. And then he told me why. It was never just settling for less. And like all the, the state passing product um, programs where 70 was good, he wanted us to have an 85. You know, so he held there us. There was a written part of this class too. Oh, man. Book work for days. <laughs> I slept sleepless nights doing book work. Do you feel as though that the program separated you now? Because, like, I mean, you're out here, you're a chef, you're running a business. Do you feel like it separated you from your peers now that you're out and, like, looking at fellow chef and restaurant owners? I tell them all the time. It's, it's a difference. Everybody can cook. It's a difference when you know how to cook. See, I didn't know how to cook until I got into that program. But that program taught me how to cook on a level where people would literally say, wow, you know, we should just throw stuff on a plate. I didn't know nothing about plating and make it look good. And he used to say, you eat with your eyes. Me and him made the same dish one time. And the way he plated his dish, it was like, whoa, it, yeah, it looks better. So now I try to plate even carryouts. Boom, I try to plate my carryouts to look good before you even taste it. That's now, guy. if you spend seven years in prison and this, you have this culinary program for six and a half of it. I mean, what I've seen when I visit there is like, when you walk in that kitchen, you know, for a, for a small moment in time, you know, you're not in the same place. You know, you're, it, it, it transcends, you know, your, your reality. And I think that, that, that I, I imagine that has to help keep you kind of focused and sane in that insane environment. It was like leaving prison, literally. You know, once you get in the classroom, we start the day off with, you know, gospel music and then slowly into jazz. That in itself is common. And then he like, well... Work on this recipe. Do this. Do that. So now you're trying to focus on whatever he's giving us to do. Before you know it, it's 4 o'clock. He's about to leave, and then we're going back to the reality of prison. Man, it was definitely common. I used to try to get there before we get to class at 7.45. I used to try to be there at 7 o'clock because I was so ready to get out of the prison. Yeah. It was like a, a woosah moment almost. Dink, if you hadn't found that program, what do you think your life would look like right now? Man, I, I can't really say Thank God that I did, and I know everything happened for a reason because I love cooking. I enjoy cooking. I just ain't know how to cook like this. The business part, I, I, I didn't even speak on the business part because the steps to maintain, it's easy to want to start something up, but it's hard to maintain it. That program taught us that. That food tech program, man, we had to do all that. I don't know where I'd be right now. So, Dink, what, you know, because obviously you get in trouble, you go to prison, that's like a pivotal moment in your life. You find this program. But there's also things that you learned. I feel like the way that you approach restaurants, you have to be street savvy. You have to have some grit. You have to be able to see through some of the BS. I mean, you know, I mean, you know better than anybody. Like, there's so much hustle that goes on in this industry. You get swindled from purveyor. You know, like, there's a lot of like dirt that kind of happens in the restaurant industry, you know, and a lot of people don't get in trouble for it. I mean, you have to see parallels. I mean, I know you see parallels. For sure. I mean, I, I mean you probably bring that to a benefit, don't you? I mean, what did you learn before prison that you apply to cooking now? Man, I, I was a drug dealer. And in the process of selling drugs, you know it's so dirty. And you don't know who to trust and or all the competition. So what I thought was, okay, I'm going to sell the cheapest drugs, the best drugs for the cheapest price, sell them faster. That's how I approach the food. I can sell, I can sell salmon. I can sell a lobster tail for 15 bucks. You know, and approach it the same way. If I sell more faster, I feel like I'm doing the best me I can be. 
You know, and they, you're building a following, and people are, not, and then they're gonna keep coming back. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I got I got family, and I coach little league sports. So all the guys that was kids when I left, now they they have followings. So if they follow me, you know, I got local rappers, all the local rappers, you know, Babyface Ray, Peasy, Vezo, uh, me and Trick Trick, you know what I'm saying? So if they say something, then all they followers, this Instagram thing is beautiful. I, I didn't know nothing about it. Instagram went out when I left. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Facebook, I think it was MySpace. I had a MySpace page <laughs> when I left the streets. <laughs> You should post you should post in your MySpace to see who follows you now. Yeah. <laughs>Mm-hmm. Did you know what you were going to do? Did you know that you wanted to start a restaurant when you got out of prison? I did. I had a um I written in my uh, prison journal. I had a 3-year plan. In 3 years I wanted to open up a restaurant. Here it is. I'm almost home 2 years. I got a restaurant and one pending. What was the first steps that you took when you got out of prison when it was time to like basically pursue this dream that you had been working for for years in prison. What was that process like? Was it easier than you thought? Was it harder than you thought it was Man, it was be? crazy. I started selling dinners out the home kitchen, yeah. out my mom's kitchen. She stayed in an apartment building. They called her to the office like, are you selling drugs? <laughs> <laughs> I stacked up a few dollars. Do you remember the first menu you had? The first stuff that you started yeah, to what's cook? The, yeah, what's the first? What's the, that's a great question. One of the first dishes you sold for money out of the apartment? That's a beautiful question. <laughs> It, the two proteins was fried chicken and meatloaf. Then it was uh, greens, macaroni and cheese, and mashed potatoes. I'm going to ask you a question. This is very pedestrian, Chef Regato. It's all good. Go for it. How did you make that fried chicken? <laughs> <laughs> fried chicken. This is my mom thing. It's your mom's thing. This is my mom thing. My first meal I ever cooked, and my mom used to be busting her butt, you know, working two jobs, trying to get us by. So she taught. I learned how to cook when I was like six. But I learned how to cook soul food and things of that nature. So fried chicken was my first dish I ever cooked. I'm gonna tell y'all half of it. <laughs> I was say, and you Anne know what? Going right I'm, I'm just gonna what? tell you. Give me the family heirloom. You know what? I we, feel like I could get lucky from time to time. We're gonna we're gonna do it. The whole thing. So she soaked the chicken. We soak it in buttermilk, of course. Right. Then we double dip it, and then we just let it fry, fry up. Okay. It's a seasoning. I know that's there's a, a secret. That's I know there's a few things missing from that whole story, but that's so, just that's just good to know that everybody's on the right track with those steps. Yeah, alone. buttermilk and double dip. That's the only way. You got to double dip. When you're cooking, you know, chicken, chicken. Everybody, anybody can do chicken. You got Captain J's, Jacks, or whatever it is. <laughs> you got all the fish fry places. It's just the the love. So, <clears throat> when it came time to open your own place. Was that more difficult than you thought it was? Because you actually did have a lot of great information. So you had Chef Hill, you had Chef Regato, you had people that were in your corner that wanted to see you succeed. All that being said, what was it like to finally get the doors open and have customers buying your food? I, I can't even explain the first day that I opened because I told this person, this person told that person, that person told that person. 
I had my mom taking orders. And when it started, it seemed like a good idea that first day. Man, they kicked our butts. I never knew it was going to be like that. Day one. Day one. It was beautiful, but deadly. Orders was coming in so fast, we couldn't keep up. I never knew that they were going to take to it like they did. Man, it was a beautiful thing, and it's it's going up. Man, from, so that's rare because restaurants open up in day one, kill it, and then you gain 10,000 followers on Instagram and Facebook in the last year. Right. So the Green Mile Grill, you're taking it to the next level because you're at 18 months in, you're in the kitchen of a bar. You know, I've, this is like a, you're in the early stages of a restaurant. I mean, this is not like, this is not like a, a pop-up. This is not like cooking out of your mom's apartment. This is a serious thing. And you're busy and you're growing. Like, what do you, what do you envision the Green Mile Grill in the next five years? Franchise. I really want to open up somewhere else. Like I said, I approached it like I, I did the drug game. I used to sell drugs in other states, other cities. And that's how I'm looking at it. This food, food is the best thing in the world. Because you use food to serenade. You use food for comfort. You just use food just for anything. Before I even got in the food tech program, I'm sitting back on my bunk like, man, what am I going to do? I can't I can't come back here. So what am I going to do? That's why I say everything lined up so perfect. I went to work in the kitchen, 17 and a half cents. They gave me my check. I'm looking at 17 and a half. What is a half a cent? How can you give a person a half a cent? You know, the statistics, once you enter that institution, the chances of you not entering it are low. Again, you know, like you're gonna, you're you're stuck in that cycle. It's hard to get out. What is your advice to somebody that's coming out? What if you don't have food, right? I mean, what is your general advice to somebody coming out of the prison system to how to stay out, not fall back into trouble? Man, my uncle, he just passed, like in December last year. He told me, he said, learn something new, or you'll wind up doing something old. You have to get yourself together first. It's gonna be blemishes when you get out of prison. Oh, you got a felon. So you can't do this, you can't do that. But there's so much more that you can do. Now, prisoners can get jobs in so many places because you're insured now. They insure prisoners. If you want to work here, they got a like a, a insurance or something for people that's coming out of prison to work at certain jobs. So if you don't do nothing, that's your fault. Everything is starts with you. You can sit back and say, well, I, I got a felon. I can't get a job. No, that's BS. You can get a job. It's just the little things you do. Man, scrape the gum. I remember you said scrape the gum off the bottom of the table. You know what I'm saying? If you're working, just work. Show me you want to work, and you can get a job. And, man, it's, it's like that. It's yeah, really I mean, like that. Work. I mean, work ethic. Your work ethic. Work ethic will take you so far. I totally agree. I mean, you know, the conversation we had, I mean, that's basically like, you know, do anything possible and do the things that others won't. Exactly. You know, and I, I mean, I'm talking from a point of privilege, so, I mean, I, it's easy for me to say that, but, like, I think that work ethic translates across the world. It's for everybody. For Those sure. who want to put in the work will be rewarded for it. Yeah, you know, I, I coach Little League sports. So I used to tell the kids, you get out what you put in. You can't come to practice late and half-ass. Okay, well, you're going to be over here. You're not going to get on the field. How do you think you're going to get on the field if you're not in the game? You can't put yourself in the game if you're not in practice busting your butt to get in the game. There's nothing you can't do if you don't apply yourself. So, Dink, talk about... Uh, how your relationship with Chef Hill changed while you were on parole once you got out of prison? It was hectic because you go from seeing a guy, talking to a guy every day. When you get on and you're on parole, you can't talk to him because he still worked for the state. But if I need a pass or something to get me through that day, like I was doing for six years, can't. I mean, you know, that's that's what the state say. It's interesting because 
you're talking about somebody that could help you immensely in that moment with opening a business or developing recipes. You're talking about like your your lifeline. For sure. So and that's that to me is such a such a messed up, you know, paradox because this the person that's gonna keep you successful is cut off because you're on parole. Right. And that's just I mean, that's such a messed up example of how broken some of these rules are. Have you had any contact with him? Or are you still on parole or No, I got off parole last year. So did you reach out to him when you were immediately? Yeah. <laughs> immediately. So so and then now you can meet up with him. Obviously, now you can hang out outside of outside. You know, you can, in public life, you can do whatever you want now. Yeah, we 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 talked often. He's still there for me. You know. What's the best advice he gave you? He gave me so much, and he's constantly giving me advice. I think it's more like just continue to work hard, and if you put the effort toward whatever you're trying to do whether it's food or life in general. Our thanks to Dink Dawson for talking with us, to you for listening, and... We would like to thank La Marca Prosecco for their support. In the hills of Veneto, Italy, you can never go wrong with Prosecco, whether it's in a spritz or drinking straight. Joan Isabella is our executive producer. Associate producers are Lisa Brancato and David Lyons. Production provided by Studios on the Pond and Rowan Nemisto. Original music by the Mallet Brothers. This is a production of Detroit Public Radio Station, WDET. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app and join us as we explore the world of food and how to cook it right here on Essential Cooking.